I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Lee Johnson to my Gary Johnson. It's just impeach. Good afternoon. How are you doing today, my man? I'm good, I'm good. I'm a bit disappointed again with the weather. It's it's summer, then it's windy, then it's cold. It can't make it smile up, can it? No, and I look sunburned today as well and there's no reason why I should be. No. No reason at all. No, I see what you mean. It's it's the sun. It does that sometimes. It's those bloody UV rays, Justin. What, what can we say? Well, Justin, it has been another busy weekend of championship football. And one of the main reasons for that is we've had a sacking. It's one that I think has come out of nowhere. I'll get um, your thoughts on that in a sec. But mm-hmm. it's Lee Johnson. He's gone from Bristol City after they lost to Cardiff 1-0. We'll talk about the actual game shortly. But were you surprised by that decision? Not at all. Not at all, no. Um, I'm surprised that it wasn't done earlier, which might sound a bit harsh, but we know we knew where this was going immediately um, when Bristol City started to go on a poor run of form. And, you know, make no mistake about it, Lee Johnson has put... He, he's made Bristol City into a competitive championship side. When he took over, I think it was from Steve Cotterill, they were all right. They were battling relegation at the time. He, he sort of rescued them. They had a couple of steady seasons and then they started to turn themselves into promotion contenders. But as he, as, as we've said many a times, they're too inconsistent under Lee Johnson and um, it's, it's the right time for him to go. Yeah, nine games without a win and their playoff chances completely dashed this season now. He's taken them really as far as he can, hasn't he? And his mm-hmm. time as manager could have gone a lot worse, couldn't it? He's now, yeah. he's now left them... He's not left them in a worse position than when he was appointed. Oh, no, 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 no. But you'd also say they haven't really progressed either. They've kind of just stayed on the periphery of the playoff yeah. picture. And they need to go to the next level, don't they? The thing is, they are in a good position, really, for whoever comes in. Because mm-hmm. what you would say is they're a stable club. And even if they appoint the wrong man, it can't go terribly wrong, can it? So they're... <laughs> They're all right. They can take a gamble on bringing in a young manager who's got something to prove. I've seen that Ryan Lowe, the Plymouth manager, is the odds-on favourite at the moment. I I don't know. I feel they went down that route with Lee Johnson and it it worked to an extent. Um, But I feel it's almost a passing of the baton to someone who has got experience of getting teams into the playoffs, who has got teams promoted. Um, I know Chris Hewton's well fancied for the role and I think it's a good role. I think it'd be a good role for him because he's not going to get a Premier League job um, because for some reason the Premier League clubs are, have been interested in him. Um, so I think a, a side like Bristol City where he can make them both structured and organised but 
be an attacking side, uh, I think that would be good. And they've got a squad for it. They've got a, a very well-balanced squad, which is you know, not something you can say for many clubs that sack a manager. They're in a good position. I can't see Chris Hewton going to a championship side. I think he is still holding out for a Premier League job. Maybe if you, t- maybe if you, he gives it another year and he's still not got a job, he might uh, think to himself, "I'll drop down to the championship." But I, I, I definitely think someone like Ryan Lowe would just make a lot of sense, and it gives him a chance to really elevate himself and show what he's got on a managerial front. I just think if they go for someone, I'm not saying. They, saying they're going to get him but if they got someone in the mould of Mick McCarthy for example oh, it just uh, yeah. would it just wouldn't make sense no, so no, I, I definitely, definitely think a young manager with something to prove should be the route to go down but we'll keep an eye on that over the coming weeks because it doesn't look like they're in any particular hurry to appoint a manager uh, let's quickly talk about the actual game then Justin because in a way it kind of summed up Lee Johnson's time in charge of Bristol City not a bad performance but wasn't a great one either was it no, especially his, his his latter sort of season and a half, two seasons. Definitely, you know, they 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 didn't they weren't spectacular, but they weren't terrible. Um, it's the making of a, a mid-table team, and it's not really where they should be. Um, but you know, I think the majority of what I was going to say was on this game was around Lee Johnson and the lack of identity uh, identity this Bristol City side has, and it and it and it does show because they've got a target man in Jeju, but. They don't get enough crosses into the box. They've got wing backs like De Silva and Hunt, but they're just not free flowing enough to 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 utilise them. It's it's a weird makeup there. And, um, when you're coming up against a team that's in form, you need to do a bit of that to to get around them. Especially when you you know overloading on the wings is a is a good example. Getting a team getting around a team like Cardiff. Yeah, well, their season's over, isn't it? I think we can both agree mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, but their team is good on paper. It's a very good side, and yeah. with the right manager. They could be a real force next season. So this appointment is going to be very important in the grand scheme of things for Bristol City. Let's talk Cardiff because we need to spend a bit of time talking about them because it's looking more and more likely, Justin, mm-hmm. that they'll be the final playoff sides. They're the main yeah. challengers at the moment. Um, and the only real side who look like they could possibly overtake them is Derby at this very moment. They, they've got a horrible run of games coming up. Yeah. And then you've got... Swansea just behind them but that's still a big old gap so you're relying on Cardiff dropping points and at the way they're going at the moment it doesn't look like that's going to happen does it? Well it, you know it, it feels like Cardiff are peaking at the perfect time we saw with Derby yesterday they you know we'll get more against that but they struggled against Forest but Cardiff they don't they're not struggling they they they're taking everything in in their stride and I certainly think they're dark horses um for the playoffs to, to win the playoffs, I mean, and then obviously getting into the playoffs, they're obviously the front runners. You know, they've won four of the last five, and they've only conceded one in that time. It's 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 looking good, and I think Neil Harris, you know, he's very pragmatic in his game management. You know, he takes it takes every game as it as it comes, um, which is a huge plus. A uh, huge plus when you're going into the playoffs. Yeah. Well, they're not losing many games at all, are they? They're constantly picking up points. And that's one of the main reasons why it's looking unlikely at this very moment that they will collapse and fall out of the playoffs. The only other thing that could possibly stop them is if one of the teams outside the playoffs goes on one hell of a run and basically wins all their games for the rest of the season. But considering how inconsistent they all are, I just can't see that happening. So at this very moment, you've got to say, it is pretty much and it's looking unlikely 
that they'd fall out at this point. Uh, let's head to the East Midlands derby where Chris Martin's late winner meant the Rams grabbed a late point. Equalizer. Late equaliser, sorry. Damn it. <laughs> Their late equaliser meant the Rams grabbed a point against Forest, but it did feel like a winner, didn't it, Justin? Because, no, definitely. Yeah. Because <laughs> Derby have now managed to snatch a point from the biggest rivals in a game where it didn't really seem like they deserved a point, really, because yeah. Forest were much the better team, and it feels yeah. like they've lost, really. What did you make of the game as a whole? Um, it wasn't a spectacular game, it wasn't a great game, but uh, from a Derby Derby. Derby uh, perspective it was one of the you know, least deserving points from any side this season far I thought Forest were terrific um they were they were very well organized they should have scored at least three um the, you know they, they were playing slightly higher up than I imagine they, they would normally they were pressing Max Bird and Rooney which meant Derby the Derby center halves didn't have an outlet it was a it was a it was a very good setup and you know you know with the the centre-halves not having a, a good outlet, it meant turned out to go along. But you know, Sandersal and Ben Watson just you know gobbled up second balls all day long. They they were those two were great, and Ben Watson, brilliant. Yeah, I thought Derby were actually quite flat, and the as yeah. you mentioned, the holy trinity of Bird, Sibley, and Rooney in midfield, they all struggled to break Forest down. And mm-hmm. Forest did have ten men behind <clears> the ball for the majority of the game, but. They that's still. Just, that's what they, they do, isn't it? Well, that's yeah, they, they, they hold back and then just break. And even though they did have 10 men behind the ball for the majority of the game, they still had loads more chances than Derby mm. and really good chances as well that they really should have put away. Um, but I thought Sabi Lamushi's game plan was superb and they definitely mm. deserved the three points here. Uh, the thing is, the point that Derby have got doesn't really help them, does it? Because they really needed uh, to pick up all three if they do want to catch Cardiff considering their game's coming up. Yeah, well, obviously, to keep it in their hands, absolutely. Um, it's, it's it's a good result. I'd have said four points from this week would have been a good week um, and we got four points, but it just happens to be that Cardiff are on this ridiculous run at the moment and they obviously beat Bristol City away, um, which, again, is, is a good result. That They're just slightly ahead of us, but... You know, again, from a from a support perspective, you couldn't imagine us being where we were around Christmas at all. Um, so I think it's a good season regardless. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I don't think many Derby fans will argue with that. Um, it would just be a disappoint- bit disappointed if they don't get the playoffs now, considering they've come so close. But <laughs> the, the next four games, you've just got to look at them and laugh. West Brom, Brentford, Cardiff and Leeds. I'm sorry, but well, that, that Cardiff game could swing things. It could, but that by could that point, interesting. but by that point, Justin, when you've got to play West Brom and Brentford next, it's yeah, it, it might be scary. already said and done by that point. Uh, whoever's in charge of the fixtures at the EFL need has got some explaining to do because those fixtures are so horrible. Um, you, you've got to from those four games: West Brom, Brentford, Cardiff, and Leeds. Would you say Derby have got to win at least two of them to stay in contention? Yeah, you've got to. You know, say pick up maximum points from at least two of those games and try and draw the others, but mm. even then it's going to be choose. difficult, isn't it? Yeah, and they've they're unbeaten in six now, which is their best run of form for for a long time, I think. Um, so obviously they're they're putting themselves in a good position, but it's about maintaining that. And you saw cracks a little bit, and obviously without Wagon and Lawrence for a couple of games now, um, it's going to be more difficult for them. Yeah, well, big shout out to the Forest fan who jumped into the canal outside Nottingham <laughs> Station in celebration of Forest winning before being pulled out police and finding out they conceded a last-minute equaliser. 
More of that content, please. Uh, what game should we go to next? Let's go to the relegation battle and we'll talk about uh, what's going on at the bottom because it's taken a bit of a turn down there, Justin, with both the teams at the bottom getting mm-hmm. absolutely lampooned this weekend. We'll start off with Barnsley, who lost 4-0 to Stoke. Um, Barnsley would have gone ahead, with, got ahead of Stoke if they won this game, yeah. which shows how much of a turnaround they've had. But despite being at different ends of the form table, Stoke gave Barnsley an Absolute battering. Yeah, that's literally what I put in my uh, put in my notes. You know, Barnsley are in form, but they play like the team out of form, and Stoke are out of form, and they play like the team in form. What you know, what's that about? But yeah, that's pretty much the championship in a nutshell. Um, and Stoke fully deserved the win. They had eight shots on target, which is complete domination. Yeah, well, they've done this a few times this season, haven't they? Yeah. Where they've put in uh, some unbelievable performances, and really, Stoke's performances are either really good, really bad. Or just really unlucky. More often than not, it's just really unlucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, they managed to get all three points, and now they've got to make sure that they follow up on it because they're still not out of danger at the bottom, are they? But it, it goes a long way to ensuring safety for them. Um, they are only two points above the relegation zone, but with Wigan's points deduction, they're actually about five points clear. Mm-hmm. So they have got some tricky games coming up. So you've got yeah. to remember that as well. Uh, Tyrese Campbell's goal, though. Oh. Oh, delightful brilliant he's Stoke's most lethal striker by far he averages a goal every 160 minutes which is the best at the club um, Vokes is on 199 Gregory's on uh, every uh, 445 and Klukas who's a top scorer is on 335 you know even though he's a midfielder it's it's clear where Stoke need to improve but playing Campbell would you know playing Campbell regularly would be a major improvement for them um, especially as we, we saw our clinically was both with the clever set piece and the cheeky not a back heel, but a bit of a side flick. Not really yeah, cool, yeah, a little, cool. a little flick, a little dink. Think of it through the keeper's leg, didn't it, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Tyrese Campbell, you, you'd say that he might need to be a bit more clinical next season if Stoke are in the championship because of the number of chances they've squandered this season. It's It's been a common theme with them, hasn't it? And mm-hmm. that's possibly one area that he needs to improve in and this whole Stoke side as a whole. The whole, because, side does, the whole yeah, does. definitely. Uh, Barnsley, terrible, a shocking really performance it. from them. Uh, come out of nowhere a bit, considering they've played quite well recently. The only thing you can really say is they've still got a good chance of staying up, haven't they, if they bounce back quickly? No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's about getting a result in the next game. And this is, this is the bizarre thing with Barnsley is that they've been very you know defensively very assured they've been good um you know and and annoyingly for them these games against your relegation rival a six pointer as the cliche is they're, they're the ones you want to win um but they completely choked they conceded two in the first 10 minutes which is a, a terrible start and you know Barnsley when, when they concede first don't necessarily do very well um they sunk into that mindset that saw them win one game uh, in the first three, in, uh, three first three and a half months of the season um and it's made their task a lot more difficult now. Yeah, some of their defending was absolutely atrocious. Um, but the interesting thing is, who have they got in midweek, Justin? Luton. So, if one of them wins, well, that is that is a massive game. Absolutely massive. So, the thing is, one of them needs to, get a, needs to get a win there, don't they? And then, mm. if that does happen, then it puts a hell of a lot of pressure on the teams above them. But you've got to say a draw doesn't really help either side either. Um, no. Just quickly before we move on, would you go as far to say that whoever loses that game is probably down? 
I think so, yes. Um, I know w- whatever happens with Wigan at the end of the season, that adds a bit of a, a headache to it. So you're almost, is it is it going to be three places or two places? Because I'm not, I'm not really sure what the EFL is going to do with Wigan, but um, you would you would argue that that whoever loses does go down, just because I just can't see them recovering. Yeah, time's running out, and it? mm-hmm. it's the end of the season is rapidly approaching. Uh, let's talk about Luton because, like Barnsley, they took a hiding that came out of nowhere after Reading beat them five nil. Yaku Mete got four for the Royals. He only had twenty four touches which meant he scored with every six touches, which is remarkable. Uh, <laughs> but Luton would have gone into this game thinking this was a winnable one. But as the scoreline suggests, they weren't very good, were they? Oh, no. I, um, I'll be honest with you. I was embarrassed watching the goals back. The defending <laughs> for each of the goals was terrible. They cut, Reading cut through Luton so easily, um, especially for the first one. Sluger made another mistake. And the clearance from Matty Pearson was even worse. Straight to uh, Mete. Oh, God. It wasn't even that, you know, Reading didn't really have to do anything to score all five of the goals. I'm not trying to give a, uh, do a disservice to Reading, but the Luton were dreadful. I think that's the worst defensive performance I've seen in the Championship for a while. Mm. They, they've done it a couple of times, haven't they? That I've been thinking about to the Brentford game earlier in the season. Well, well that's it. You say Nathan Jones is uncharacteristic, but it's not. They've been doing it all season. It might be uncharacteristic uh, under him because they've actually looked very assured um, since he's been back. But my goodness, it was awful. Yeah, there have been some very questionable defending performances over the over the course of this weekend. Full credit to Reading, though, who took advantage of what oh, was yeah. a very poor Luton performance. It shows that they are capable of being quite a good side on their day, aren't they? But that has been the story of them all season, mm-hmm. that when they show up, they are a very good side. Well, it's exactly. just that it happens about one in five games, doesn't it? Exactly. That, that hits the nail on the head. It's when they when they fancy it, when they're, when they're on form, they're a brilliant side and they've got good players. And it's, you know, Bone said in his post-match presser um, that they need to get the season up and running again and this is a good way of doing it. Um, I have no idea what state they'll be in throughout the summer, whether they need to sell players finally, to raise money financially. <clears throat> but this could be a very good team um, next season. A very, very good team. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Luton go into midweek with that massive game against Barnsley. And as we mentioned, draw's not going to be enough for either side. So it's all to play for. Well, the team who's technically bottom of the table at the moment, Justin, is Wigan. They lost 3-0 to Brentford. But the real oh. story here is side Ben Rama, who got a hat-trick. Justin, what a player he is. It was, it was the perfect game. I mean... We can't really say anything that that we don't already know. That no, you know, we've we said it all. Um, but Ben Rama generally is, I think, pound for pound, he's probably the best player in the league individually. He's just incredible, and the hat trick sums him up. The goal midweek that he scored um, with the with the header was again just sums him up. Um, it was a, it was a mix of goals. I don't even know if he meant the, you know, whether that cross was a goal no, or not. But not we'll, giving yeah, it but, but it's Ben Rama. <laughs> we don't know. I, I think there was a touch of. I'll stick it in that area if it goes in. No, I meant that. Not, I meant not that. giving him that. But I'm still not going to take anything away from him because I love side Ben Rama. Um, Half. In terms of the bigger picture, because we are getting towards the end of the season now. Where would you put him in the ranking for Player of the Season? Well, this is the strange thing. I think numbers-wise, he's he's had a, a quieter season this season than he did last season. 
but I think he's been a lot more influential for this Brentford team this season um, and to, to where they are now. I think without without him, they wouldn't be anywhere near as good going forward. Um, as, as, as that was stating the obvious, but I think he'd be fairly close. There might be a couple of players ahead of him in terms of being player of the season, but you know, if if Brentford if Brentford won it automatically, it'd be hard to not give it him. I think he's probably player of the season for me. The only players who really come close would be a very easy. Um, but he's gone off the ball in recent weeks. Um, and then Calvin Phillips would be the other one. But I probably will go with by Ben Rama just because he's superb and he's a joy to watch every single week. And I know he's been linked with uh, clubs near the top of the Premier League. I, I, I think he's that kind of player. He is a top four player playing in the championship at the moment. He's a pleasure to watch every single week. He is just absolutely phenomenal. And I will probably name him as my player of the season at the end of the season when we uh, do our awards, Justin. I remember actually earlier in the season when we were doing our uh, championship predictions, I said, Ben Rama, player of the season. I called it. Money on it. Did you put money on it? Unfortunately, you can't bet on it, Justin. But if I could have, if I could have, I would have. And... I would have been a much richer man than I am right now. But Brentford looking simply irresistible at the moment, aren't they? They're still making leads and West Brom work hard for automatic promotion. But even if Brentford do end up in the playoffs, they would be the overwhelming favourites to win it, wouldn't they? Uh, again, it's, it's so hard to predict the playoffs. Going into the playoffs, I, I fancy defensive teams over the attacking teams. But then again, Brentford defensively are so good. So um, good. You know they haven't conceded a goal in 450 minutes of football, yeah. um, and they score goals. But I think it's the defensive side of the defensive side of things that has propelled them to where they are. Um, you know, last season they were as good as they are now going forward, um, but defensively they've, they've sorted things out. And they played since coming back. They played good teams. They played Fulham, West Brom, two teams competing for the automatics and um, playoffs. Wigan, the form team in the league, and they've just brushed them aside. And yeah. They've, They've shut them out as well, which is it's frightening if you're going into the playoffs. Yeah, anyway. I think I, this this is going to annoy Leeds and West Brom fans, but I think Brentford probably are the best team in the division. They've just been quite unlucky with the injuries that they've had with the likes of uh, Ben Rama missing the start of the season and then Janssen missing uh, about a third of the season around Christmas time. If they had a fully fit squad throughout the whole season, I think they would have easily got automatically promoted quite frankly they're that good Justin they really are and they'll, we're, they'll still, we're seeing we're seeing them in top gear at the moment and I yeah. I feel sorry for anyone who comes up against them in the playoffs uh, pitchforks at your window tomorrow <laughs> I'm ready uh, another side who hadn't conceded a goal since the restart Justin was Wigan uh, before side Ben Rama happened mm-hmm. uh, you can't really read too much into this result though can you because Wigan are technically bottom of the table and they were in great form but when you come up against a Brentford side that are just this good it's hard to tell what kind of mindset they're in at the moment because obviously everything that's going off off the pitch at the moment and we'll talk about that a bit later Mm. but it's hard to tell whether that's had an impact yet hasn't it and I think we've got to kind of wait until midweek to see what kind of state we're going to in really. Yeah no absolutely it it must be I mean I'd be devastated as a, as, a, as a Wigan player and a fan because you you beat you win the game on Tuesday night and then on Wednesday you you entered into administration. So on that Tuesday you think we might just be safe here, lads. We might we might we might have done it. 
So you almost that pressure's off then for the rest of the season. But now it's like, ah, crap, we might have a 12 point deduction at the end of the season. We're gonna have to go a bit further, go a bit, uh, do it a bit longer. And it's it's such a strange mindset to be in to think one minute you're safe, the next minute you're not. It's horrible. Yeah, well, they've still got a very good chance of staying up if they yeah, yeah, yeah. do manage to continue the form that they showed before the Brentford game. Um, but it's a massive ask at this point. Uh, let's go to the late game on Sunday, Justin. It was West Brom. They beat Hull 4-2. West Brom go from failing to score in four games and then suddenly score seven in two. We're starting to see uh, the real West Brom that we've been missing since the restart. And mm-hmm. they are really... It seems like they're feeling the pressure that Brentford are putting on them. And they've just got to keep going now, haven't they? Yeah, they've obviously taken a bit of a... a a positive turn since that Brentford defeat. Um, and it's, it's, it's kicked them up the arse, which is exactly what they needed, I think. You know, that, that gap was closing. Brentford have just got better and better. And, um, yeah, the, the the goals, I think that that win in midweek against Sheffield Wednesday, probably it took the pressure off the shoulders of the players um, and probably gave them the opportunity to attack with a bit more intent, be a bit more clinical. And that's exactly what they did against Hull. They were, they were devastating and ruthless. Yeah, Matias Pereira back to his best. He got a hat-trick of assists, meaning he's now top of the assist charge. Um, he contributed to five goals in two games now, which is more than he managed in his 17 games before that. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's since um, we tweeted that he had been, you know, fairly poor. And then obviously he's 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 kicked up again, so... You can thank us later, West Brom fans. Yeah, basically, we've got West Brom promoted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hull, they obviously were on the receiving end of this loss, but I didn't actually think they were too bad here. No, it was a bit of a basketball game, wasn't it? Um, Back and forth, back and forth. Very end yeah. Which, um, one of the issues for Hull since Bowen and Grisic left was, was creating and scoring goals. They've got four now in the last two, which is a major improvement. You know, you go back right back to the Birmingham game. It's number three. They're scoring goals, but it's keeping them out. That is still the issue for them. Yeah, well, the relegation battle's obviously been put into a bit of disarray. But now that they beat Middlesbrough in last week uh, in midweek, and now they've had this good performance here, things are starting to look a lot better for Hull. Um, they've still got work to do, though, as a lot of the teams mm-hmm. do around the relegation zone. Uh, also on Sunday, QPR beat Middlesbrough 1-0. Jordan Hugo scoring against his former side. Um, like Hull, we thought uh, Middlesbrough... Well, Middlesbrough, they're in a bit of a tricky situation mm-hmm. themselves, aren't they? And we thought they'd be all right under Neil Warnock, but it's certainly not been plain sailing for Mr Warnock, has it? No, we thought they are not that cheat code and we're bringing in Neil Warnock, but it just doesn't seem to have got going. We thought that that um, win against Stoke would have given them a you know a bit of a momentum catapult. going. Yeah, catapult, that's the one. Catapult going forward and it just it hasn't. The, the whole game, they didn't particularly create enough clear-cut chances and obviously they got, you know, they lost the game in the last, last minute and then this one, done by a long ball, Hugo lobs the keeper, which might be one of the first times he's done that in his career. Um, <laughs> scoring outside the area, it's it was a poor it was a poor defeat. Yeah, they, I thought they were actually quite unlucky here, but um, even with Warnock, it's worrying times because even though with obviously the points deduction, which we keep going on about, mm-hmm. the thing is there are now three teams below Middlesbrough who haven't they, they've all got the potential to overtake them, is what I'm trying to say. 
So they definitely need to get some points on the board because it's all not said and done. You look at the table and you think, wow, there's actually a bit of a points gap here, but it's not as simple as that, is it? Yeah. Uh, QPR, been pretty poor since lockdown, uh, in truth, but they weren't very good here, here either, really, were they? They were actually quite lucky to get the three points. Uh, well, it's it's a, it's a game that they, they needed to win to get their season back up and running again. You know, they've, they've lost every game since lockdown. Um, uh, sorry, since football came back. Um, and it's put a bit of a spark back into it. And um, it's what they needed. And it's those... I didn't think they'd be in danger of going down, but they were dropping points. Teams were gaining points. And you start, do start to get a little bit nervous. Aren't we going to get dragged into a relegation battle? But this just puts the, the breathers in. And hopefully they can enjoy the season with a bit more freedom. Um, Hugo looked like he... Did his hamstring when he scored, so <laughs> that'll be an interesting one. Well, uh, they've really struggled to create chances, really, since the restart, haven't they? Which is quite unlike QPR, really. We've been used to them being quite free-scoring and just neglecting their defensive duties, but in recent weeks, it's kind of been the opposite, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the very top of the championship, where we find Leeds, who won 3-1 over Blackburn. Calvin Phillips getting the pick of the goals, Justin. What a free kick that was. That- when you hit a free kick and it goes over the wall like that and it's just straight and it goes into the top corner, it is near perfection um, as to what you want a free kick to do. It was it was a beautiful free kick from a beautiful player. <laughs> beautiful player. <laughs> Love that. Um, we all know Calvin Phillips has got quality, hasn't he? And when you see stuff like that, you wonder why he doesn't score more goals because he's, that's only his second of the season. But... I think if he really wanted to, he probably could score a few more, but he does such a good job from playing deep, doesn't he? No, absolutely. He's, I, well, yeah, he's never been a goal scorer, um, but he certainly has got the... We've seen it with his technique. He's got the ability to do it, but I prefer I prefer Phillips in a defensive mould than a wood in an offensive mould. Yeah. Um, so certainly, you know, he's much more effective doing the job that he does than he would be being told to push forward so you know please stay back Calvin well focusing on this uh, game luckily for Leeds fans it, the Leeds sign that turned up was the one that actually puts away their chances because Leeds were fairly ruthless here um, they seem to really struggle against the sides who sit back and then more often than not an early goal does Leeds the world of good doesn't it and mm-hmm. it settles the nerves and then sometimes as we saw here they just kind of push teams to the side don't they no, definitely. It was Leeds at the best. We saw click Rob uh, Lewis Travis with the um, for the first one for Bamford, um, which really does highlight what they're they're, uh, they're best at, which is pressing high. You know, Blackburn were trying to play out from the back, get the ball back, and you're already on the attack in the in the the, the opposition's um, defensive third. Is you know to beat Leeds, you have to beat the press, and as you say, teams that uh, teams that lead struggle against are teams that play low block direct football of their nine defeats this season for example six have come across uh, six have come across teams that are more you know direct at times so Cardiff Forest Wigan Sheffield Wednesday Millwall and Charlton they're the teams that have done leads and you know coincidentally they're the ones that play sort of a low block direct style of football so as you say that's one way of getting over leads but if you try and play out from the back that's exactly what happens you get robbed well, it's quite interesting to say that because their final five games are Stoke, Swansea, Barnsley, Derby and Charlton, which are five teams, really, who you wouldn't say do play a low block. They're 
kind of the sides that you want to associate with sitting back, nor are any of them very good defensively. So <laughs> really, Leeds should be looking at those fixtures and be licking their lips because promotion should be on the horizon now for them. They're now six points clear of Brentford in third. Um, but obviously Brentford are putting their foot on the gas and they're looking a bit unstoppable at the moment, but Leeds have also got their foot on, their foot on the gas. So might not be long now, Leeds fans. Uh, but as we head closer to the end of the season, Justin, you start to see teams slowly but surely falling out of the race for promotion, the race for the playoffs. And I'm starting to get the sense Blackburn are falling out of the playoff race. Yeah, it's you know three defeats in a row for Blackburn. It's frustrating because he might feel a bit hard done by with some of the goals. Um, for example, there's a questionable offside for one of them. Um, but you know they came across a hungry Leeds team who who fed off the the mistakes in the Blackburn side. Um, and it's it's probably a season too soon for Blackburn in terms of competing for the playoffs. They're, they're a young side, um, but you know three wins in their last ten. I think the season's just starting to fizzle out for them, but. Nonetheless, it's, a, it's certainly a building block for them. And I'm quite, again, I'm quite excited to see them next season to see how they recruit. I think another thing is they've got strikers in there like um, Sam Gallagher, Ben Brereton, that spent a lot of money on that, just don't get enough goals. Mm. You know, when you're relying on Adam Armstrong, obviously Bradley Dack got injured, you're going to struggle. And that's something that need, they need to address going into the summer. Well, strangely, they seem to be playing a false nine at the moment with Lewis Holtby up front and it just doesn't seem to be working and I'm not sure why Tony Mowbray is sticking with it um, when you've got Adam Armstrong on one wing and then Sam Gallagher on the other wing but I mean hey-ho I'm not chasing promotion um, on Friday night Charlton <laughs> lost 1-0 to Millwall uh, Jake Cooper with the only goal of the game it was a badly needed win for the wall and their playoff campaign seemed to be fading just in but this could be kick-starting it back into a yeah. into gear, couldn't it? Yeah, five points behind Cardiff. You, the, the, there might be a bit of a sniff there, but as we've said before, it's in Cardiff's hands, really, to, to lose. Um, also, did Jake Cooper score a tackle? Pretty much, yeah. That was, that was definitely a tackle, <laughs> wasn't it? Nonetheless, a good finish. Um, as we said, it puts them in a tidy position. It's an, an important win, uh, win for them to try and get the promotion, well, playoff push back on track. But. Yeah. Well, they could definitely get their foot in the door in the next couple of games. They've got the Middlesbrough and Hull coming up. Um, you'd have thought they need to get six points from those games. Um, but with there, there are signs of life considering how they've played in the last two games against Swansea. They created quite a few chances and they created yeah. quite a few chances in this game as well. So, as I say, there are signs of life there for Millwall. Um, I don't think Charlton played too badly in this game really either. They played some nice football at times. But this result does give them a bit of a reminder that they are still in danger of relegation, aren't they? Albeit there are sides that are in that seem to be in more trouble than they are, don't they? No, absolutely. This um, this Charlton team that's come back after you know the, the the break in football, I've really really liked them. They've been a bit more defensively minded than they have been. You know, playing four four two, not conceding goals. Um, it's been a really a bit of a change to what they were, and um, you know, conceding a late goal. Like they did against Millwall, I think will, you know, Bowyer sort of thrives off, not injustices, but when he feels his team could have got a point, he'll 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 prove it, um, not prove it wrong, but get one over again in the next game. And I think Charlton might might just be said as I said, I think Hall, Borough, 
obviously the Wigan factor as well. I think they're in worse states than perhaps Cheltenham. Well, at Craven Cottage, Fulham made it back-to-back wins after beating Birmingham 1-0 and 95th minute from Josh Anoma. It it was much better than Fulham, than what we've seen in recent times where they've struggled to create many chances. Really, they should have scored sooner though, shouldn't they? Because 95 minutes... Um, leaving it quite late to say the very least uh, Lee Camp made one of the saves of the season from Bobby Reed. how he oh, kept yeah. that out I have no idea but Campy <laughs> pulling it out of the bag he's got that he's got that in his locker though hasn't he he's, it's, unfortunately he he's got other things in his locker as well that yeah, aren't yeah, as good yeah. but, but he does things like that and he doesn't you know you forget that he's 35 like pulling, pulling off saves like that is, you know, he's been he's been better than as certainly some of the keepers that are in the division. Yeah. Um, so don't don't um, don't do him a disservice yet. Yeah. Well, I'd still say they need to get another keeper next season. But still, I, I can't believe he kept that out. Fair play to him. Um, Fulham now seven points off West Brom, nine points ahead of Derby. So you'd say they are just looking ahead to the playoffs now at this point, aren't they? No, absolutely. Um, they. I mean, they 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 faffed it up the wall, didn't they? Going <laughs> for West Brom, they're the, they're the perfect. Um, perfect chance to do it, and they and they choked. Um, but you know, no Mitrovic, no problem. That's two and two since he was uh, suspended. They're taking. It seems like they're taking more shots from distance. There's less build-up play. They're getting more midfield into the box. There's just a bit more about this Fulham side without Mitrovic. I'm not trying to say he's rubbish, but but you are. <laughs> they're, they're sort of they're holding us. They're, they're a bit more efficient going forward than they have been with Mitrovic. Not relying on him. They've got other. You know. Cyrus Christie scored the winner the other night, and Josh Hanuma found himself in the box for the winner uh, yesterday. So it's been a, it's a much better attacking side from Fulham than, than we've seen. I'm just going to send a letter to Scott Parker saying, have you considered not playing Mitrovic when he's back? See how that goes down. Um, <laughs> and <at> Birmingham, <laughs> they went to Craven Cottage with the sole objective of getting a point. And they nearly did it, but it wasn't to be. But they're now without a win in nine and they're really just desperately hoping that the season ends soon, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's one win in ten. I think we've said the same thing after you know every um, episode we've done. Birmingham seemed to either lose or draw. It's not good form. Two points from twelve since football came back. Um, you'd be nervous as a Birmingham fan, wouldn't you? You you would be because, because well, we've said teams teams are picking up points. I don't think they they would get dragged into the relegation. Well, I think they are in a bit of a relegation battle now. To be honest, with you. I, I tell you what. I, I'd have agreed with you if it wasn't for Wigan because if with the table as it is, because Wigan haven't been taken, they haven't had the points deduction yet. That's going to happen at the end of the season. So with Middlesbrough, they would have been five points off Birmingham. So if that was the case and, this, and we didn't have the points deduction with Wigan, Birmingham probably would be in a relegation battle. But now really Barnsley... A twenty second, and that's an eight point gap, and I just can't see Birmingham getting dragged into it with that much of a gap and so so few games left of the season. Whatever the case, Birmingham City fans need some good news because I imagine the morale for them is is so low with the, the oh, poor yeah. form and obviously the Bellingham not announcement, but a lot of speculation we'll this week. Later. We'll go on to that a bit later, Justin. Don't get too so, ahead of yourself. <laughs> At the Liberty Stadium, it was Swansea 2, Wednesday 1. Rian Brewster amongst the goals again. Um, at the moment, it's unclear where he's going to play next season, Justin. But if he is in the championship, he is going to be very bloody good, isn't he? I think you need to relax your obsession with Rian Brewster. 
it's not an obsession. I'm just saying he's a very good striker, isn't he? And you've got to admit that. He, he is. I, I do like him. I think I, I like him less because you like him as much as you do. I'm just a big fan of him because he's he's always had a lot of potential, hasn't he? He was he was in the, named in the same bracket as Phil Foden a few seasons ago, uh, but then obviously he had a nasty injury last season, which has disrupted his progress. But now he's showing how good a player he is, and I hope he is in the Championship next season. I'm not sure if he will be. I've seen that Liverpool have um, kind of hinted in in the in the papers that he probably will go on loan again somewhere next season. But whether that's mm-hmm. in the Championship, who knows? But if he is, he's going to be a top player forever he is playing for. Um, Swansea now four points off Cardiff. Would you say they're probably Cardiff's main challenges when you consider Derby's fixtures are so difficult? I don't know. You've got you've got Millwall in there as well. My goodness, a Millwall-Cardiff. If, there, if there's a head-to-head there, you know, that'd, that'd be fantastic. But... Um, you know, Millwall have got a healthy run in. So I'd, I'd say Millwall might edge Swansea um, in going for, for Cardiff. Would you go Millwall, Swansea, Derby in that order? Perhaps, yeah. I, I saw I saw some cracks in the Derby. Obviously, the Derby performance against Forest. Swansea are a little bit more inconsistent and perhaps Millwall starting to get going again. Maybe a bit too late for them. And again, Swansea a bit inconsistent and... It's, it's very hard to tell, but I think Cardiff is certainly the driver. Yeah, Card- well, Cardiff are a good few yards ahead of all the rest at the moment, mm-hmm. aren't they? Uh, Wednesday, this only just came to my head during the game when I was watching it earlier because the commentator mentioned it and it I, I completely forgot about this, Justin. Do you remember that Wednesday were third on Christmas Day? Well, the <laughs> thing that I think back to every time is I saw that tweet of that fan saying, after that game, he's, he's bought a half-season ticket. And not only has he not been able to see the games, but he's also seen the worst Wednesday side for years. That is brilliant. I completely forgot about that. As much as I completely forgot that Wednesday were third on Christmas Day. But that shows how come how far they've fallen, doesn't it? They It's come out of the blue. Obviously, Fletcher got injured, but... The rest of it has just been terrible. They've been terrible. Oh, yeah. They've been terrible over the pitch. You can't just put it down to Fletcher, can you? It's remarkable how far they've fallen. And really, I think a few more questions need to be asked. But uh, let's move on to the final game, which is Huddersfield-Preston. This finished nil-nil. <laughs> why is nil. this the final game, right? I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> I've got to ask, do you ever you know, just sometimes think to yourself, we pay to watch games of football. And we go into them with the knowledge of knowing we might be about to watch something incredibly dull. And it just came to my attention that in what other form of entertainment do people pay to watch something and just accept that this is going to be, okay? this might be terrible. Like, imagine if you went to a music gig and you were watching, I don't know, uh, Rita Ora or or someone like that. And... She turned up on stage and she had a croaky voice and she was sat slumped in a chair throughout the whole thing. Now, if that happened, Justin, you'd want your money back. But in football, we we just accept it. We willingly pay (laughs) money to watch what could be the dullest 90 minutes of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we just accept that, Okay, this cost me 30 quid to watch. And it was the worst hour and a half of my life. Anyway, if you haven't guessed yet, this game is crap. Uh, one shot target in the whole thing. Uh, probably a contender for being one of the worst games ever in the history of football. 
I'm going to spit it and say, you know, it's it's a good result for Huddersfield. It's back to back clean sheets for them, uh, and it's it's what they've needed. And, you know, it's it's, two, it's four points out of the last two games, which is which is great. Um, but as you say, <laughs> looking at the stats of this game, you think Preston would have dominated it, but they didn't manage a shot on target. No, um, they had eight off target, which is um, terrible. And uh, 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 someone on Twitter pointed out that, um, and he made some very interesting points. Preston have won, only won 27 points in 27 games since November. Yeah, well, they've only got two points Which from a possible 21. And that yeah. leads me to this question, Justin, because Preston are still in the playoff race, but with their form, you've kind of said they're probably not, really. Um, so yeah. that made me kind of think about Alex Neal, because with Lee Johnson getting sacked this weekend, him and Alex Neal have actually had very similar past few seasons and he's now under a bit of pressure from the fans is Neil and some are calling for his head Mm. so with when you consider that Preston have been in the playoff picture now for the past three seasons and they failed to get there in the past three seasons as well would you say it's maybe a time for a change at Deepdale I don't think so I think under the circumstances that Neil is you, you can't you can compare it to Bristol City in that sense but you also look at Bristol City they spent 60 million under Lee Johnson Compare that to Alex Neal at Preston, a, a fraction, a fraction of it. Um, while Bristol City can go out and spend five million pounds on Fumara Jeju, Alex Neal has to go down to Exeter City to um, bring in Jaden Stockley. There's is a harsh comparison, and I think what Neil needs, and it's very difficult now, and I get that, is is a bit of backing from the board. He they need to instill some confidence. That into him, I think, by bringing in a striker, and we've said it before, they they need a striker um, because that's that's the one thing I think that's holding them back. I'm not sure um, Preston fans will agree because there was a fair bit of outrage on Preston Twitter on Saturday night after this result, and I think a lot have decided it's time for a change. But well, let's go on to the news, Justin, from this week because... There's been a lot going on, hasn't there? We we spoke about the situation at Wigan on the midweek episode, if you want to listen to that. Um, that was released on Thursday. But there have been a few details released over the past 72 mm. hours that we need to kind of dive into because the administrators who have been brought in to take control of Wigan have told their lawyers to investigate the club going into administration and there's also been politicians calling for the situation uh, to be investigated. Now, this comes as in the week, the EFL chairman, Rick Parry, was secretly recorded saying there have been all sorts of rumours, including the possibility that it could be linked to a bet in the Philippines on Wigan to get relegated. Now, I don't want to focus on that, Justin, because that's just a rumour. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if the EFL chairman's talking about it, then it must be quite a strong rumour. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the more and more we hear about this situation, the worse it looks for the EFL. Because the fact that these guys who have taken charge at Wigan have been allowed to do so, it's disgraceful, isn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. Wigan well, go into administration less than a month after they take charge. It's scandalous. Yeah. It is absolutely no. scandalous. And it's... one. Go on. I was going to say 1,000%. I waited two hours for a haircut yesterday, which meant I, well, I was able to deep dive into the Wigan issues. Um, let's not talk about the two-hour wait. Um, but as I say, it gave me a lot of time to, to read a couple of articles on the Wigan, um, as I say, the Wigan issues. And obviously, as you say, it is hugely scandalous that I don't think Wigan should be deducted points because the EFL basically said 
these guys are safe they're good we we, we approve this ownership go ahead and then bang week later um they're in administration it's horrendous apparently uh, some of the articles that i read wigan have got money in the bank they're very stable they're well, they're a well-run club um players are i think they were due to be paid their um deferral money yep. over the lockdown period not been paid it um they're playing on a, a fraction of what they're earning credit to the wigan players for even turning up because it's hard to motivate well not motivate yourself but you're not paying me what you agreed to pay me why should i play um it's a it's a mess and it's a mess that unfortunately brings the efl into question once again yeah it's just the latest show of incompetence from the efl and this fit and proper test that everyone always talks about with the owners it, does it even exist because it's, it's clearly not working, is it? It's, it's a waste There's, of time. And the EFL are just, stand, are just standing by again and letting clubs it, it, die. And I hate to get too political about this. Sorry, I'll let you talk in a sec. But I hate to get too political on this, Justin. Um, but it's getting to the point where I think there needs to be government intervention because the EFL, they're just not doing enough to stop clubs which are pillars of communities. They're not doing enough to stop them from going out of business. They're just standing by and it's it's embarrassing from their perspective. It's the second case in the last seven months that the EFL have put through a, a, um, a sale of a club and those owners have turned out to be not what they say they are, Charlton and Wigan. It's, it's as you say, the latest of the latest um, of ticks in the incompetent box on the EFL and yeah, it's a complete lack of leadership and something needs to change. It honestly does. Um, let's move on. Andre Wisdom could be out for the rest of the season after being stabbed last weekend. Now, we didn't mention it on the midweek episode because we like to keep all the news for the weekend. Um, a horrendous mm-hmm. story. Um, and there's been plenty of support from uh, loads of the football community, which has been great to see. Derby fans raised money for uh, Flag to be at the game against Forest at the weekend. That's going to be in all their games for the rest of the season. Um, but best luck to uh, Andre with uh, his recovery and hopefully... He uh, goes on to play again, hopefully soon. Uh, Transfer news, Justin. There's been a lot of transfer news. A hell of a lot of transfer news. And one you've already mentioned, reports in Germany claim Jude Bellingham has agreed to join Borussia Dortmund. Now, we spoke about this before. (laughs) We seem to have a Jude Bellingham story every single week in the transfer news. We seem to know this back in, I don't know, was it January, February? Well, (laughs) this seems to be the most (laughs) concrete report that we've had so far about Bellingham's future. And it seems like he's made his choice. And it's one that we'll both agree with, won't it? Because Dortmund seems to be yeah. a lot more sensible than Manchester United at the moment. But in fairness, Man U have been giving youngsters more uh, attention in recent years, haven't they? So in that sense, I suppose it might not be as clear cut as uh, as it seems. But uh, Malik Wilkes has joined Hull on a permanent basis from Barnsley. He was on loan mm. uh, in the second half of the season. It doesn't seem to have worked out at Barnsley, does it? But he seemed to play very well against uh, West Brom earlier today. So it be interesting to see what league Hull are in next season and how he performs for them. Coventry, new True. boys, who we don't really seem to talk about much because obviously not in the Championship at the moment. But they've made their first return, uh, first signing, I should say, since returning to the Championship. They've paid £1.5 million for Gustavo Hamer from PEC Zwoll. Uh, do you know much about him? I know nothing about him, but I know the data community absolutely love him, which means he does the things that we don't. He does the things very well that we don't necessarily appreciate on the pitch. So, 
yeah would you you'd argue it's a very smart signing that's always a positive start uh leeds are supposedly going to try and sign celtic striker odson oswad edward Edward, I don't watch much Scottish football, so I don't know how you pronounce his name. Uh, but I know he's he's very highly rated, is uh, Edward, and he's been linked with quite a few clubs, but that'd be a good signing, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You, they need a striker who scores goals on a regular basis. Sorry, Patrick Bamford, but going into the Premier League, you need yep. to take your chances. Edward that is true. might do that. Yeah, and he's still a young striker, only 22. He's on fire for Celtic this season. And the final bit of transfer news, Justin, John Obi mckell is apparently a target for West Brom. Now, he's been a free agent since March after being released by Trabzonspor, but get him back. He was at Middlesbrough last yeah, season, wasn't he? I completely he? forgot he was at Borough. That just reminded me he was at Borough. Yeah, he didn't really do much, and I can't imagine he'll do much if he does go to West Brom. He's probably just there to fill the depth, but um, fair enough. Why not? Let's go to the Craig Bryson pub quiz, Justin. Now, this is the part of the show where Justin's going to give me six clues about a championship legend who has made at least 200 championship appearances and will have played relatively recently. All I've got to do is guess who that bastard is. Justin, give me the first clue, please. Uh, Just before I go on... um... Finding this one, as I said before, it gave me a migraine and I nearly had a breakdown trying to follow where his career went. Um, so okay. good luck. <laughs> I look forward to it. Right. I've made 285 appearances, scoring 60 goals. Say that again, please. I've made 285 appearances, scoring 60 goals. 60 goals is quite a lot. So it's not Luke Chambers. Um, I'm going to go Toby Smith. No, we've had Tommy Smith before. Avery, ah, you've fallen into that trap. Ah, go on. Now, this, one. Is, this this is where the the migraine kicked in. I've <laughs> played for eighteen different teams in my career. Oh my god! Which include loan moves. Eighteen is quite a lot of clubs, Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Jay Bothroyd. Good shout, but no. Despite making my championship debut for Wolves in 2004-2005 and playing seven uh, seven other teams in the championship, I've only been promoted to the Premier League once. Now, Wolves in 2004-05. I'm going to go James Harper. Does he play for Wolves? No, he was at Reading. I'm thinking of someone else, but I'm going to hold that for the next clue. Go on. Okay. I made my Premier League debut this season at the grand old age of 34. Okay, it's not who I thought it was then. Who um, did you think it was? <laughs> I was thinking James Henry. Because um, <laughs> he played for Wolves, didn't he? Um, yeah. 34? Okay. This season? See, mm-hmm. usually when someone makes their Premier League debut at the age of 34, it's a goalkeeper. But I don't know too many goalkeepers who have scored 60 goals. So I'm not. I'm going to assume it's not a goalkeeper. Mm. Um, that is interesting. Uh, okay, next clue, please. How many have I got left? Two? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I made history for Sheffield United by scoring all four goals in a 4-1 win against Hull City in November 2017. Oh, my God. See, this was maybe a bit of a flash in a pan season for him. Oh, don't say that. Um, I feel like the Premier League debut at the age of 34 is a massive clue. And I will be honest, no one is coming to mind. I'll so just keep... he's, been, 
I just keep thinking Billy Shaw, but he's not played for Wolves. No, well, he's been promoted once in his career. Yeah, he made a Premier League debut this season, so that's a, that's a heavy like. That is a heavy clue. Pointing of the finger. <laughs> okay, last clue, please. In that season, the 2017-2018 season, I was named in the PFA Team of the Year for the first time in my career while playing for Sheffield United. Okay. Flash in the pan. What does that mean, flash in the pan? It means you've come out of nowhere. That, 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 that form has come from nowhere. Say it again for me, please. Flash in the pan. No, not flash in the pan, the last clue. <laughs> That season, I was named in the PFA PFA Team of the Year for the first time in my career while playing for Sheffield United. 2017-18? Yeah. And he made his Premier League debut for Sheffield United this season? Yes. Did he? Yes. What? Uh... I'll give you one more Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Someone's just come to my head. And I'm just trying to work this out because I'm not sure where he's playing now. Is it... Have I got one more clue? Is this my last clue? This is your last clue, yeah. Is it Leon Clark? It is! Oh, thank God for that. I was going to give you a bonus clue. I wasn't 100% sure where he was playing. He's still at Sheffield United. I did not know that because he was at Wigan on loan last season, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, He's he's, he's actually been at Wigan on loan before this season as well. Has he played for 18 clubs? 18 clubs, which, he, oh my God, off the top of my head, I've not got it up, up, up. Coventry. Well, hang on, no, 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 we'll be here all day if you name every single one of them, but oh. I, I can think of Coventry, Wolves, Wigan, Sheffield United. We'll leave it at that. Otherwise Sheffield gonna... Wednesday as well. Sheffield Wednesday as well, Christ. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Well, I'm glad I got that because that was giving me a migraine and I, I share your pain from putting those clues together. Wikipedia him. It's incredible. Just, <laughs> just the list on the right of clubs that he's been at. Yeah. Oh, Steve Claridge levels, maybe not that bad. Right. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. As usual, thank you for listening. We'll be back again in midweek because we have got midweek games. We've got midweek games pretty much for the rest of the season, Justin. So we will keep plugging away and giving you the content that you deserve because we love you, baby. We love you, don't you, Justin? We love me. I love me. You love me. I love we you. Love me. We love the listeners yeah. as well. We love everyone. Oh. Oh, they're all right, yeah. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> I've been Ryan Dokes. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.